Then it's going to turn windy and colder with a high of just 32. Mostly sunny on Thursday, a bit chilly with a high of 28. Friday, increasing clouds, chance of snow late, high 33. If you'd like a daily forecast to your smartphone, text the word weather to 39327. That's a service of King's Campers and WSAU.com. The thought of my sons growing up without me inspired me to quit smoking. I talked to my doctors and then I threw away all my cigarettes, ashtrays, and lighters. I started exercising instead of smoking. Getting support from friends online kept me on track. Staying away from alcohol when I was first quitting was key. Instead of smoking after I ate, I'd get up and take a walk. I missed having a cigarette in my hand, so I'd hold a pen or a straw, anything. Until I knew I wouldn't give in to temptation, I spent more time with my friends who didn't smoke. I went to places that were smoke-free. I didn't stay quit the very first time I tried. I kept on trying, and I learned something each time. Do whatever it takes. No matter how many times it takes. I quit. I quit. I quit. We did it. So can you. You can quit. For free help, call 1-800-QUIT-NOW. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and CDC. Well, good morning and welcome to Saturday in the studio. I'm Tom King. Merle Kelch is in the second week of deer camp, and I think I can smell it from here. And we are joined this morning by attorney Alan Haugam, Haugam Law Firm in Wausau. Can you smell that in the air, the second week of deer camp? Second week of deer camp gets uh, pretty... <laughs> Pretty interesting, that aroma, yeah, Tom. Yeah, all right. Well, Alan's here, pinch hitting for Merle, and of course he is here to take your legal questions, 715-845-2155, the number to call here. Uh, Alan, an, uh, an expert on estate planning and, and that kind of elder law, but as we've mentioned many times on the show, he can take any legal question that you have, although I would imagine... You probably want to shy away from like somebody accused of murder or something, right? Yeah, I think, you know, uh, we're not going to... We're, we're not going to... Uh, lead them to a life of freedom with that kind of uh, a right. problem. But, but Tom, ready and willing to take on any legal question. Enthusiastic you, find this, this you find this more interesting because it's something new and different. Oh, right? I love it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. the, uh, I'm in the best area of law. I always talk to people. I say, Tom, that uh, they say, what do you practice? You say, oh, you're a lawyer. Okay. Uh, what kind of law? And I say, I practice happy law. You know, and we do. It, it is one of those things where people come into the office and, and, and this is for probably anyone in my field is we don't go to court. You know, I haven't been to court in a couple of years be, with, with controversies because, I mean, the whole point is to avoid the controversies. The whole point is to figure out a way to pay less tax, have less work, have less difficulty, have make everything smoother. So, every you know, people come in, and it's a little nervous. You know, they're like, well, they're, we're dealing with a lawyer. We're dealing with a law firm. And there's, you know, all kinds of just stereotypes and baggage that comes with just that concept. And then, you know, they leave, and they're like, oh, Okay. Well, we could do it this way. Oh, okay. This is this costs less. Oh, okay. You know, we pay less tax, or it helps our kids. Well, they are talking about death, so they're probably not walking out with a smile on their face. And I think (laughs) they are. No, that's the point. I always tell people if you leave here and you're not smiling, or I tell other people if if the client comes in, they're not leaving, you know, smiling and or laughing, then uh, it I I, it's a bad day because it just doesn't happen. And it really is. It's one where you know you start with the topic area. Even in law school, you know, you think estate planning is going to be morbid. It's going to be sad, and and, you know, it's, it's a lot of people, you know, right before they pass away, they decide to. No, it's not really the way it works. You know, it's it's people kind of taking advantage of it or just grabbing the bull by the horns ahead of time and saying, if I do some things ahead of time, then uh, this works better. How far ahead of time should people do this? I mean, we're talk, not talking about people in their 20s, right? You know, and I think there's different time frames. Uh, you know, we will have uh, the, the kids in their 
in in their twenties. You know, we'll have the twenty two year olds who just got married and, and have a six month old baby, and they you know they have there's zero assets. I don't know about you, Tom, if you were wealthy back then. Nah, I no. certainly was not. No. You know, but but it's it's like you know you're making payments on the used car, and you have the apartment, and you know diapers. you have free furniture. You got diapers. I mean, just everything. It's just sometimes it's student loans. It's just all kinds of things. You know, you have zero assets, but. What, what people that age wonder about is they say, well, where's my baby going to live? Who is the guardian going to be if something happens? And it's a big deal. I mean, you're, you know, that's the most, the, the two of you now have the most important person in the whole world kind of in the, in your arms. And so you, you do, it is really easy to do. And it, it's, it's simple and you just peace of mind where we, we get people that kind of through the stages is you get folks where, uh, the kids aren't infants anymore. They're, uh, you know, they're 12 or 15. And suddenly you say, well, we're not worried about this guardian thing. I think we're going to make it till they're 18. But uh, suddenly we have uh, a couple dollars in the 401k plan, or we just bought a life insurance policy. And these life insurance policies, you know, it used to be you bought a $25,000 life insurance policy because that would cover the family. Well, now it's a $250,000 life insurance policy. And sometimes, you know, depending on the type, and this is, again, more the uh, the financial advising arena, but you can get term policies and things like that. You can get two fifty or five hundred thousand. I mean, these things really exist, and they're not crazy expensive. They're pretty cheap when you're young. And suddenly, people will say, "Well, between that and the life insurance at work and the four hundred one k at work, and we got a couple of bucks in the home equity now, is that going to go to my fifteen year old?" And you say, "Well, no. It's going to go to that kid on their eighteenth birthday." And, and what does a kid do on his 18th birthday with $100,000 or $200,000 of life insurance death benefit in cash? Well, they're not going to go to school, you know, any kind of school. You know, they're not going to finish out the senior year of high school or they will, but they won't go to college or they, you know, they just, they just spend it. You know, they, they say, I don't, need, I don't need to go to school. I don't need to get a job. It'll last forever. Right. And, and they do. And, and we'll have kids hold up the check. And, and they really happen. People laugh when I say this, but you know they'll hold a, hold up a check for fifty thousand dollars and just think this is gonna you know they could never see the end of spending this, and of course it always gets spent. Doesn't matter the dollar amount, it always gets spent. So that comes in, you know, as people get a little bit older, I would say the the, the next stage we get is when people suddenly say, well, wait a minute, I'm fifty five, I can see, um, you know, a couple things. I'm fifty, I'm forty eight, I'm fifty two, I'm fifty five, or whatever it is, but I can see. The you know, Grim the Reaper uh, down the road, at least. Yeah. Or what it is, I can see that kid who just married my daughter. <laughs> they say, you know, this we're we're still the jury's out on uh, on this guy. But if if we pass away now, we do have a few dollars that we've saved up over this, you know, two careers. And if this goes to my daughter, you know, is my son-in-law have a right to half of it? And the way the laws work, it's not the day that you give it to him, but a year later, two years later, three years later that whole inheritance just gets woven right into everything else they have. And suddenly there's this marital property interest for our Wisconsin folks, which hopefully is just about everyone here today. And, and whoever, you know, is married to your daughter now, one way or another has a right to this through, through marital property. And he might, you know, if he comes home with a midlife crisis one day, just suddenly says, you know, I think we're going to divide everything 50, 50. And Oh, by the way, I want half of the inheritance too. And this really happens. And, and people say, we can't have that. You know, and Wisconsin is, is very stark. They're very distinct about uh, the things you give to kids are going to get sucked into this marital property idea. Um, and, you know, the, the famous uh, poster about it where six out of the seven ways you give things to kids get divided 50-50 at divorce. So then give things to kids the seventh way that doesn't get divided 50-50. So we get a lot of those questions, Tom. I think that is more of the, you know, that's, that's a lot of it. But at the same time, 
what those people are saying, you know, it's the 52 year olds who come in who then say, all right, we got this figured out. You know, my daughter's husband, hopefully uh, he rounds into shape and he's a decent guy <laughs> and we're not worried about this and, and nobody cares. Uh, but then what they do is they say, Hey, what about my 73 year old parents? You know, uh, they're not getting any younger. You know, if something happens to them, you know, what happens to the house? Do we give the house to the kids? And of course we say, no, do not give the house to the kids. That law changed eight years ago now. So don't give the house to the kids. And they say, well, are we just going to lose everything? Or we heard that, you know, nursing home care is either $9,000 a month or $10,000 a month or 11,000 plus a month. Now we're getting, that's the most recent numbers locally. And, and people say, are we just going to lose everything? And I say, well, if you don't do anything, it's at risk. And it really just depends on health. Do you find when people come in and you hear the term, we heard that, or <laughs> we read on the internet that nine times out of the 10, the information they give you is right or wrong? I would say most of the time the topic is right and the details are wrong. Um, and that's not an indictment on anyone. I think that's, you know, it might just be the, the, the way these news stories are, are, are sent out. Or sometimes it's just the national way these news stories are hey, sent out. I just got a uh, booklet from the Social Security Administration, and I'm trying to read it, and it's like, <laughs> I, I think I'm a fairly smart guy and can understand most, you know, reading. Good but luck. It's like, what is this? I have no idea. You know, what am I reading here? So about 20 years ago, I did a, a, a presentation with one of the, the people, one of the experts down here at the local Social Security Administration office, who was really good, and he has spent a ton of time and he was right before he was retiring. He was going to retire within a few months. And uh, and everybody just agreed. Everybody who's ever worked with him, I think his name was Bruce, It just loved him. He was just a really great guy. And he came in for this presentation. And I said, well, I'm going to speak for an hour. And Bruce says, well, I'm going to speak for an hour. And I, you know, I'm just, I'm just young and I don't know anything about this. I said, what are you going to talk about for an hour on Social Security? I mean, that's going to be like five minutes. You should, like, take it at 62, take it at 65, take it at 70. You know, I mean, what, what are we talking about here, Bruce? And, and he looked at me and he just, you know, big smile on face, a beard, big smile. And he's like, oh, you know, just. just I remember that out. guy. I'd had him on the radio he a few times. He was a great guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and he went through and he brought a booklet. He had this book that was about 30 pages of just kind of the basics. And I'm like, 30 pages? You know, how can you fill that? It's, again, I mean, you know, when did you take it? 62 to 70. And, and it turns out that there are so many nuances to it. And it's the, again, that's a little bit like. The, uh, you know, people get the concept, people get the, the big picture. And in that, in that instance, I was the person getting the big picture from the news media or the Internet or whatever it was. But the details were, you know, really where the, the differences were made and, and really can save or, 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 or hinder you. All right. I'll tell you what, we'll take a break here. Let's come back and talk about the seventh way you can do that thing without. That's uh, a deal. All right. We'll talk about that seventh way when we come back. Attorney Alan Haugam on the program today. Phone lines are open. If you have a question for Alan, give us a call. 715-845-2155. We'll be right back. We are the NFHS. That's Dan. Feel that if the drinker loved you, she or he would stop drinking. If you answered yes to any of these questions, you are not alone. More than half of all adults have a family history of alcoholism. Not everyone trapped by alcohol is an alcoholic. Families and friends are suffering too. Al-Anon and Alateen can help. Call 1-866-200-0223 or visit alanon.org slash help. It's Must Hear Radio. On the left, the language they use and what they call one another. Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins. Twitter is like just the absolute drainage pipe of human civilization, right? Catch up on the entire week. 
Saturday at 3. Hold on. Why are you laughing, Robbins? <laughs> because you were laughing. No, I was not. No, you... On AM 550, FM 99.9 and 95.1. You know, that's just mean. I'm not going to pile on. WSAU. And we're back in the studio. I'm Tom King. Alan Haugam pinch hitting from Earl Kelch today. We've got uh, some phone calls to get to, so let's do that. Good morning. Who are we talking to? Well, good morning. This is John. Hey, John, go ahead. Morning, John. Greetings. I realize that uh, folks with an existing estate plan should review it periodically, but are there any specific changes in law or IRS tax codes for 2023 that would make uh, review uh, especially uh, necessary? Thanks. Sure. Well, John, I think, you know, the uh, the, the tax laws that are uh, uh, proposed are uh, maybe kind of around the edges, at least the ones that we deal with from the estate planning side. I'm sure that, you know, there's some others. Uh, they've talked about the SECURE Act 2.0. passed the SECURE Act a few years ago where it, it delayed the uh, required minimum distribution beginning or the required beginning date. Um, some things around the fringes like that, the Secure Act 2.0, they proposed to kind of push that back again. It went from 70 and a half to 72. Now they're thinking about pushing it from 72 and kind of gradually moving it back to 75. So some things like that. But, John, I think for the IRS side, no. Uh, it's it's uh, for more of the, you know, if you want to make sure that your plan is compliant with things like the, the Marital Property Act in Wisconsin, which lets the surviving spouse avoid uh, you know, income tax, federal and state capital gains tax after you died. That I would make sure of. I would put that on the top of your list. Make sure you have a marital property agreement if you're married. But other than that, I think the tax code, this is probably one of our milder years. I think we're okay. All right, let's go back to the phone here this morning. Good morning. Who are we talking to? Hello. Talk to John. Go ahead, John. John again. All right, John. Morning. Well, yeah, you know, I listen, I listen, I listen every week. Perfect. Okay. Hey, Alan, uh, I've got a question concerning a, a septic easement onto my property. Okay. And what I would like to do is, it's my understanding, i got to shut the radio down here, hang on interfering with everything that's a good idea absolutely that's a good that's a veteran yep. caller move okay right there, John. okay now 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 it's clearer for me good okay so i have a piece of property that has a septic easement on it for well it's not it's not uh well described i mean is it like Somebody, the neighbor? The, the neighbor has the, the a right neighbor, to cross your property the neighbor, for some of theirs. The neighbor could build a mound on it, okay, which would severely diminish the value of my property. And what I want to do, and I've talked it over with the neighbor a number of years ago, and he said he was agreeable for me to buy the uh, deceptic easement. Yeah. Correct. Back. Good. Well, can I go to Jockey's Bookstore and buy buy uh, uh, the paperwork involved? The paperwork? You can get the paperwork? 
yeah, the paperwork. I mean, and then I'll just file the papers myself. Or we got a couple things going on, John. Number one, I think yes, you should go to Yankee Bookstore for a lot of things, including like books. They have wonderful books. They're there is a good place to get a plat book. They're wonderful people. They got. I some, love uh, that place. I love the place. Me too. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a Wausau, Wisconsin institution that uh, to be celebrated. But yeah, maybe I, not I, for legal work. Maybe not for legal work, John. I think this is one where now I'm just taking the form. I'm just taking the forms, though. I don't know that they have those forms there. Um, and, and really, when you talk about the forms, there are a few things. You know, one is you come to an agreement where and and all agreements regarding real estate must be in writing to be enforced, especially if you're like the sale of property. You know, I can sell my car to Tom the day verbally and it's enforceable, you know, especially if we had a witness who heard it or we did it over the air. And, and I said, I'd sell my car. Tom told me the dollar. You want to buy mine? Hey, maybe we'll open up the the conversation, (laughs) Tom, you know, we can get the negotiation started here. But, but when you, when you deal with real estate, John, it has to be in writing. No matter what, so when you're when you're selling or buying, I a understand piece of property. that. So that's number one. So you have to have a really a meeting of the minds as to what it is. So you say, well, what's the dollar amount? You know, and that's where you know when you when you buy a house, you always hear about well, there's an offer to purchase, and then there's a time to inspect it, and then there's all these things, these stages that go on. Well, with you, you got kind of a mini little process in that you you'd like to purchase uh, some aspect of real estate. Now you're not buying the the perimeter of real estate because, you know, pieces of real estate have different aspects to them. You know, when they talk about, and I think the, the easiest way to think about this, maybe for our listeners is when you think about real estate, it's like, you know, the, the analogy is like holding a bundle of sticks in your hand and, and every stick is the right to some aspect of the real estate. So it's not where you sell or buy the entire thing at one time. And, and as John, as you've pointed out pretty clearly, you know, you, you've got one stick in your hand is the right to you know, mine the granite. Uh, one stick in your hand is the right to cut the trees down. One stick is the right to drill for oil. One stick right outside of town here, they talked about, you know, digging for gold, you know, deep enough. You know, every stick, there's a right to rent yep. the property for a, a, you know, have a country music concert, a, you know, a camp festival. You know, all these are aspects of real yep. estate. And one, John, as you say, you know, there's a right, there's, there's a septic right or a septic easement side to it that they've carved out. And for you to say, I don't want this person to have this right anymore. Um, I'm going to pay him for it. Absolutely. But for that to be enforceable, you, you really want to be absolutely 100% crystal clear that you're doing it the right way. And and for an easement, easements are a little tricky. It's not like you're just buying this 40 acres where you're buying the whole thing. You're buying one aspect of three minute stations. And speaking of which, you know, and, and, and really what it does is, is how do you differentiate that? And that's where I think it's for something this important and something that affects the value of your property. Just think if you, the value of your property only makes a difference when you're selling it. You know, you, those, I think you had mentioned just the right that he, the fact that he has this septic easement affects the value of your property. Well, not while you own it. It's, you know, cause you're not selling it. It only matters when you sell it. So when you sell it, whoever you sell it to is going to pull out the documents and they have to be confident that those things are are accurate, and the, if they're they're confident, if they see it done professionally, and I think it's worth your time and money. Just grab the local you know real estate lawyer. It's it's not that darn expensive. You know maybe talk to one of the title companies here in town. You know there's a uh, there there's a few good ones in town. Just call them. Look in the book. You know look in just the yellow pages and say hey, 
you know, the title companies. And if they can't do it could, themselves, then they will know who can. Could a title company just accomplish this for me without a lawyer? It's possible. Yeah, it's, it's possible. Now, every title company either has a lawyer on staff. Uh, some of them contract with lawyers outside just for the purpose of signing these things. But it's possible. I think just ask them. And, and it's, I mean, they're, they're very easy to work with. Just for the price of a phone call, you know, talk to them. Five minutes later, they'll probably tell you one way or the other, and then you have a clear picture. But I, I, do, I wouldn't do this one yourself, John. It's, it's a little too important for that. All right, thanks for the call. Appreciate it. 715-845-2155. We need to take a break for some news. We'll come back with more. Phone lines are open. If you have a question for Alan, give us a call. We'll be right back on WSAU. Hi, I'm Lauren. Why was it so difficult to move? Maybe my left side had just fallen asleep. I exercise. One, two, one, three. Or visit ssa.gov slash ssikids to learn how to apply today. That's ssa.gov slash ssikids. It's real help for the children. Message produced by Social Security at U.S. taxpayer expense. He said, what? What could possibly explain this weird left-right disparity? Could it be that leftists love big government and willingly submit to its control over every aspect of their lives? Conservatives revere the Constitution. Outlaw Radio with Magic Matt Allen. With its guaranteed freedoms, Saturday nights, and reverence for individual liberty. Sunday nights on WSAU. And we're back in the studio. I'm Tom King, along with attorney Alan Haugam today. I'm pinch hitting for Merle Kelch. 715-845-2155 is the number to call here if you have a question for Alan. Uh, what else did you... Oh, we were going to talk about the seventh way to uh, to move your estate into the hands of others without uh, make, making sure that it goes where you want it to go. Yeah, it really leads to, uh, Tom, uh, just what's a better way to do it. And, I, and sometimes there's a there's a difference between what's easier for you versus what's better for them. And, you know, the, the part of it, the easy part is, hey, if something happens, something happens to me driving home today, uh, my stuff's going to go somewhere. You know, it's, it's going to get to some people. So, you know, how much do I care about that? Really, most of what we end up talking about, obviously, is, is how to make it easier or better for the person who's receiving it. So if you say, well, the person who receives it, this gets back to, you know, our, our first caller, John, today was asking about the tax side of it. When you give things to people, do you want them to pay more tax or less tax? And you say, well, is it me paying the tax? I'm like, no, you died. It's uh, it's people after you. They say, well, all right. Well, to be fair, the people I'm giving things to, I actually like. That's why I listen. So let's go with less tax. Okay, less tax. So if you're married, make sure you have a, a Wisconsin marital property agreement. You know, you can uh, reduce or eliminate the capital gains tax for the surviving spouse. Again, not the person who passed away. It's the surviving spouse. Well, that's an easy one. That's my that's my wife or that's my husband. So, all right, we have that one down pat. When you give things to kids, uh, do you want to give things to them in a way that makes it easier for them, that they can keep more of the money or they lose more of the money? Well, we'll stay on the tax side of it for a second. You know, even the way that you give your retirement accounts. You know, one of the things about the SECURE Act that uh, we referenced with our first John today is is that they made it a little bit easier for people retiring. The trade-off was they made the taxes a little bit steeper for people who are receiving it when you pass away, particularly people you're not married to. Not the, not a difference if you're giving it to a spouse, but if you're giving it to someone you're not married to, like a child, for example, uh, very common. 
that now all of their taxes are accelerated. It used to be prior to January 1st of 2020, prior to the Secure Act 1.0, that you give things to a child and they could stretch it out over this life expectancy calculation. Now, when you give it to a child, they have to pay all the taxes in the first 10 years after you've died. And think about sometimes it's 52, 55-year-old kids receiving this. Well, they're in their highest paid earning years. They're at the end of their careers, their highest paid years. They are pushed up into a tax bracket they've never been in before. And now they have to pay all the tax on all of your lifetime retirement accounts all in the first 10 years. So they're reaching into tax brackets they never touched before. It's, it's a massive tax increase. So, Tom, one of the things you can do is if you give your retirement account through your estate plan, not just put their name on the, the form with you know at, at work or with the financial advisor, but if you send it through your estate plan and you draft your estate plan or your very particular uh, trust to receive retirement benefits, that they will pay less tax or they can pay tax, but they can stretch it out over more, uh, more years or a longer period of time. And you say, oh, they might be able to stretch it into their retirement after they're out of these higher tax brackets. So you have that coming in. And, and I think, and then really the other one that really is universal is if you're giving things to people, giving things to a human being, um, that do you want that to be subject to the divorce laws? And it sounds like you have some people say, I don't care at all. Like, you know, and there's a little bit of a, just a dismissive side to it. Like, Hey, I'm giving it to an adult. If they have some marital problem, what do I care? Well, it's your life savings. It's your money. And you get to decide, you know, if you don't care, then name your, your beneficiary, name your daughter and your son-in-law halvesies on that retirement account or on that inheritance. Would you do that? And they go, oh, no, I never do that. <laughs> well, that, that's what you're doing. So, so could you? And you say, yes. Can you set up your, now it doesn't have to be a retirement account. It could be the house, could be the farm, could be the land, the cottage, the money in the bank, the CDs, anything that you have. You know, if you give that to this uh, beneficiary, do you say, I want that to be protected? Now, hopefully, hopefully, fingers crossed, whoever you give it to never gets divorced because it's, everything's going great. I, I hope no one ever gets divorced. It, it sounds like an awful process just dealing with it from you know clients that we deal with and, 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 and friends that have dealt with it. But, but if you do, you say, no, I want to give it to someone and give it to them through my estate plan and really plan for that. I would say talk to your estate planning attorney. Talk to your elder law attorney. And say, you know, can we do that? But I think, you know, as we go through the stages, Tom, you know, that it's sometimes talking to the 22-year-olds who just had a baby. And sometimes it's, you know, my kids are 15 years old or 12 or 11, and I don't want them to get all the money on their 18th birthday. You know, it, it gravitates, it graduates into the, I want to protect it from, you know, if my, my daughter gets divorced or my son gets divorced. Um, but usually that's the age when people start talking about their parents. You know, you asked, is there ever an age where you're, you have to get to a certain age before you do these things? And it's really just depending on, on which of those resonates with you. Or sometimes, you know, our first caller today was asking, when do you take a look at things? It's as you get through some of those stages. And what we often find are, you know, the, the, the 50-year-old clients want to bring in their 73-year-old parents because they think the parents, you know, the kids are now thinking, hey, my parents are getting to an age when if they need some type of long-term care or some type of assisted living or nursing home care, that that is the stage when my parents' expenses are going to just get just, you know, stratospherically more expensive. And what do we do about that? You know, does someone outside the family now have a legal right to my parents' life savings? And the answer is, well, they will if we don't do some legal work about that. 
When you look at long-term care insurance, um, obviously it may be out of reach price-wise for a lot of people. What kind of an estate do you have to have in order to have long-term care insurance be a good investment? Because I think a lot of people are just saying, well, it's just out of my price range. I can't afford it. You know, and I think that's a question, again, that's, you know, next week, that'll be a great question uh, for Merle. It's it's really more of... um, we're huge fans of long-term care insurance in our office. Uh, uh, we love it. I think everyone should, should I, I wish everyone got some, frankly. Um, I think at the a bare minimum, I think everyone should price it. So talk to your profa- financial professionals and just say, you know, at my age and at my health, and they might ask you some health questions. And, you know, maybe you take one more step and they, I don't know, uh, uh, you know, get some sort of uh, health documentation about you to really price it and then say, you know, what would that cover? And, and say, how much coverage could I get and how much would that cost? And I think what you do is you balance it out against not having it. And the, you know, we used to, I think the old kind of long-term care insurance, you know, from 20 plus years ago, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, where you'd pay a premium, you'd pay a premium and it was, you know, uh, $1,500 a year, which was a, a lot, a lot of money. But then if I ever need nursing home care, here's how much coverage that provides me. And it was pretty substantial and maybe say, hey, that was enough to cover it. Um, and then the premiums went up, you know, and then it was $3,200 a year was the premium. We saw it with a lot of people in that range. And that got, you know, that's pretty eye-opening. And then that premium jumped to five and $6,000 a year. As you get older. No, it just through the years oh, for okay. people, you know, we've seen, and part of it say, why is the premium jumping so much for people who would be in that same age range? You know, that age range of people used to pay $1,500, now they're paying $6,000. Mm. Well, it's just because the cost of the care has gone up so much. You know, the, the actuaries at insurance companies have pretty sharp pencils, and those places have, you know, shiny windows uh, for a reason. They don't have pencils. It's a <laughs> They're pretty smart people. They, they know their numbers. And, and really what they do is they say, look, they will insure you, but it's insurance. I mean, it's the kind of thing is you're purchasing kind of catastrophe insurance. But if the catastrophe happens a lot, you know, if that that dollar amount comes into the family a lot, then, you know, it's, it's just going to be expensive to insure it. I mean, it's not magic here. It's not like they make the money up in, in the factory in the back room. It's, it's the collective, the group of people is paying for it. And then some people have claims. And if more people have claims and the claims are higher, the premiums are going to be higher. So now we have people who pay eight, ten, and and even more thousand per year for premiums, and it's insane. Uh, but I say it's get one of those, some coverage. It's Try one of those catch twenty two situations where you paid tens of thousands of dollars in premiums, but you hope you never have to claim them. Absolutely, it's just like fire insurance on in your house. You know, I I have fire insurance on my house, and I hope I never have a fire. And someday, you know, when when I'm you know, 10 minutes from dying, I'm going to be thinking, man, I paid a lot of <laughs> yeah, yeah, premiums yeah. for this fire insurance yeah. on my house, but I'm going to be thankful I did because of the peace of mind. And I think for long-term care insurance, it's the same way. So get it priced. What I would say is, my, Tom, is is at least get some coverage, maybe for home health care. Maybe just stick a toe in that water to get some coverage. Because sometimes if someone really does need long-term care, it doesn't always happen one day. You know, it, it sometimes it's gradual and that money, that pool of money might keep you out of a facility and it might be the money that really uh, improves your quality of life at that time. All right, let's get a phone call in here. Good morning. Who are we talking to? Scott. Go ahead, Scott. Morning, Scott. Good morning. Um, I have a, an income and I think I think everything is it should be. Um, but I'm thinking about uh, the 
prepaid funeral. You're kind of break. You're kind of breaking up. But prepaid funeral is that the question you have? Yes, and I'm just I'm wondering whether that has any do with the the income. All right, all right. We'll try to kick that around here. Yeah, thanks, Scott. Appreciate the question. And and yeah, when you talk about those kinds of trusts, it's really the asset protection side of things. Or if I have an asset protection trust, and Scott sounds like you know a, a young, healthy. Um, uh, you know, breaking up on the phone line a little bit, but, but you say, yeah, you know, does that, because it goes back to Tom's question, at what age do we get all these things? And I think with the funeral, the prepaid funeral, Scott, if you have an, uh, some kind of trust that protects your assets and, and really kind of to translate for the, for the listeners, you know, protects your assets from long-term care or the, or the nursing home having a right to take them. Well, what do we do? Well, I think it, it gets into that conversation about, do you take a look at long-term care insurance, it, even for things like home health care? Even if I say, hey, my assets are protected um, from seizure or from claim or from liens, can I get some home health care insurance? Yes, uh, absolutely. For the prepaid funeral, I would say, Scott, my recommendation is I think everyone should pre-plan their funeral, certainly. Um, you know, it's it's one of the biggest things if you're married you know, do it together. It sounds crazy. Tom's on this sounds morbid. And you go, yeah, but you've made every major decision together your entire lifetimes. Do this one too. And and do it when you're healthy. Pre-plan your funeral. Go through. What would you want? Um, it, it really can be a beautiful thing. And then, Scott, whether you pre-pay for your funeral, I will leave up to you. I think that is the one, once you sit down with the, the funeral professionals, once you sit down with the folks who do that, and there's some really good ones, you know, in our listening area that we've dealt with, um, very compassionate. They really understand. They've been through the process many times with, with family, with individuals, with married couples, with single people. Um, and then say, yeah, here's what I would want. How do you make that happen? And it will be paid for at some point by someone. So does that provide you a little bit more peace of mind if you do that now? And if you say, I have the extra cash, it's sitting in an account. I want to get it to this place to make sure it gets done. Go ahead and do it. I have no, pr- I think it sounds like a great idea. If you say, no, 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 my funeral is going to get paid by the equity in my house. So when I pass away, the funeral gets done, and then that's going to get paid back when the house sells or something. You know, obviously that's a little bit more difficult. Uh, but I talk to them about that. I think plan it, get the plan in place, and then if prepaying it gives you some peace of mind and, and with the plan you've worked out with them, that makes the most sense. Health Resources and Services Administration. North America. Oh, you understood that, right? Uh, just call that operator error. Uh, hey, it happens. Yeah. I uh, just hit the wrong button and two things playing at once. you got to love that. All right. That's uh, the beauty of live radio right here. 715-845-2155. We're back in the studio. I'm Tom King along with uh, Alan Haugam, who's pinch hitting for Merle Kelch here today to take your estate planning or your legal questions. Uh, we've got a few minutes left here before the news. The Polka Show is coming up. Don't forget Badger. You're heading down to the Badger game today. I'm heading down there, Tom. Yeah, that's the reason uh, I'm glad they had a 2.30 kickoff. I'm ready to ready to rock and cheer them on. Paul Bunyan's axe, the Minnesota game, row the boat and all that nonsense. Uh, We're going to be rowing any boats today, Tom. We're going to be sinking that boat, and the axe is going to be staying in Madison. <laughs> Actually, coming back to Madison. Remember, That's Minnesota right. won it last year, unfortunately. All right, let's go back to the phone here this morning. Good morning. Who are we talking to? Mike. Go ahead, Mike. You're morning, on with Mike. Alan. Go ahead. Well, good morning, Alan. Uh situation I'm calling about would involve Medicaid, uh, impoverished spouse, and then a farmstead. Okay. Okay. So in this uh, farmstead, there's basically 15 acres that has the house a garage, a shed, uh, an old barn, that sort of thing. 
Okay. So under you know Medicaid and the uh, you know impoverished spouse and that sort of thing, is that uh, basically too much? Uh, because I know in the past we've talked about you know five acres. You know uh, if we're in the city, you know the the house you know on the city street, etc. I guess is something like this. Is this too much? Where uh, a number of it would need to be divided. Sure. Is Mike, is that some place where if, if one spouse needs nursing home care, is the healthy spouse or the, the non-nursing home spouse going to still live at that, that house and that farmstead? The answer is yes. Okay. Yeah, so what ends up happening, what Mike's talking about just for our listeners, is the he, you mentioned the spousal impoverishment rules. And I think, uh, uh, Tom, that is one of the rare areas where Wisconsin is right on the nose, and they are about as honest as it gets when they're titling the the a section of statutes <laughs> because at what mike's talking about is if one spouse needs long-term care of some kind or if one spouse needs nursing home care the state says they have a right to all of your assets and they can take the healthy spouse they call it the community spouse they can take that healthy spouse all the way down to poverty levels and they label this section of the statutes spousal impoverishment and you're like wow that is uh that is about as on the nose as it gets uh, but what happens is, and what Mike's talking about, is that they they won't take you right down to zero. They won't take the, and I think they do it out of a self-interest. They say, well, if we take the spouse, the healthy spouse, down to zero because we took all their money for the whoever's in the nursing home, then we got to pay for that spouse. You know, then they're going to be on the welfare rolls and they're going to be homeless, and uh, we don't want that. So what they do is they say the healthy spouse can keep certain things. They can stay living in the house. They get to keep one vehicle. They can keep their own retirement accounts, kind of any 401ks that are titled in their own name. Now, in the in the farm context, Mike, that not a farm families don't uh, don't usually have the 401ks, but they also get to keep about fifty-two thousand dollars. And there's a way they can make that number a little bit higher, but there's a there's a pretty substantial trade-off that's uh, in the government's favor. So so at its bare minimum, you say it's the house, one vehicle, your own IRAs plus fifty-two thousand. But the state has a right to really just about everything else. Uh, anything that has any value. Um, they don't come and, and take the, the furniture and the tangible items like that, but really anything, any accounts, any any real estate, any of those. And you say, oh, that's just, it, it's incredibly punitive. It's incredibly penalizing. But for the spousal impoverishment rules, Mike, um, you know, with with those, those uh, pieces of property, they've changed the rules actually on how many acres, but the, you know, when we, when we have that all together, it's all contiguous, you know, that where it's a little bit easier. Now, there are some limits to it. The 15 acres, I think, is, is, is within those limits. I think they're fine. Um, you know, I, but, you, but you really do have to just categorize it and explain that. You know, most elder law attorneys are going to have some department in their firm that just handles the kind of the, 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 the Medicaid qualification and the application process because you have to really describe this specifically to, to get that information to the state in a way that they will leave you alone. Now, what they will do is the state says, hey, that's all right. That's only our first kick at the can. Uh, now that you're in this property, if you ever, if, if, you know, whoever's living in this farmstead wants to move, they say, I don't want to live there anymore. Not when I'm alone. I want to move. I want to buy a different house. I want to get an apartment. I want to go to, you know, somewhere else that, that is a little more hospitable for someone who's single and living alone. You know, now the state is suddenly going to weigh in and say, okay, but if you do, then where are those dollars going? You know, who owns that farmstead? Where are the dollars going 
do we have a chance at some of that money because it's not protected as your homestead or your farmstead anymore? So I, I would say, Mike, that is one where I think initially you're okay. If someone, if the community spouse lives there forever, you're probably okay for that person's lifetime and the state will come back and, and try to get it again when the, when the second spouse needs long-term care, or the second spouse dies. So initially you're okay, but for more long-term planning, uh, there might be a couple more steps involved. So, but I think that that's that way for everyone. Very good. Thank you very All right. much, Alan. Thanks, Mike. Thanks for the call. Appreciate it. Uh, we're just about out of time here for today. If folks want to get a hold of you on Monday, how can they do that? Well, the best way, Tom, I would say the uh, we have uh, offices in Wassa and Rhinelander. So the best way, kind of the universal phone number, is area code 715-843-5001. 843-5001, or all the information is on the Internet on our website at haugumlaw.com which is H-O-U-G-U-M-L-A-W, haugumlaw.com. All right, we'll see you again down the road. Have fun at the Badger game today. Thanks, Tom. Good luck. Go Bucky. Go Bucky, indeed. It's coming up on 9 o'clock. We've got the news on the way, the polka shows, and then Badger football this afternoon. Pre-game show at 12.30 and the kick set for 2.30 against Minnesota at Camp Randall. All right here on WSAU. Meet Ed, movie buff, animal lover, safe driver. Five years of driving an ambulance teaches you a thing or two. If people knew what I know, lives could be saved. When I see a 